Good evening. It's a joy to be with you again, and I hope that God will bless you. I've had a blessed day today. Have you? Have you been enjoying the Lord? We've got a wonderful Savior, haven't we? There's nobody like Him. He's changed us completely, hasn't He? He's touched our hearts and our lives. And He's made us alive in Him. It's wonderful. What a wonderful Savior we have. I keep saying this to people, you know, um, this is not just a set of rules that I follow. Uh, church is not just something that I do on a Sunday. Um, it's a living Savior who's at work in me. My body has become the temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. <laughs> he leads me and guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Wow! Isn't that wonderful? What a wonderful Saviour we have. Um, this morning I was sharing in our own church, um, just before communion, and I was talking about the darkness of the cross. And... Uh, I was sharing with them that what Jesus endured on the cross during those moments of darkness when the Father turned his face away from him that wrath that punishment that he endured for your sin and for mine all of hell for all time that I should endure because of my sin and because of who I am a depraved human being by nature and he took that and he bore that on the cross that's what he bore and he did it for each one of us that are here tonight saved by God's amazing grace and one day Men and women will stand before him in the judgment, the final judgment. And he will turn his face away from them and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, into everlasting darkness. Wow. Men and women today can escape that by coming to faith in Jesus Christ he died for them for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish but should have eternal life and so we had a blessed time looking at God's amazing love in those hours of darkness when he saw the travail of his soul in advance and could see that through his death would come a fruit that would produce glory for him and he says I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it he's defeated he's a defeated foe I want you to know that tonight Satan is a defeated foe 
And you and I need to learn to walk in the victory that Christ has won for us on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. What a saviour. I hadn't intended to say that tonight, but there we are. And I've just come from a baptismal service. I've had a busy day in Uddingston. I was at Freedom Church in Uddingston. I'd been asked by the pastor there to go over and share in the service. And there were three people being baptised. I only knew one of them, which was a lady that had the joy of leading to Christ on the 2nd of February this year. Um, I think I've, I probably mentioned it to you earlier, when, uh, one, one occasion when I was with you, and um, I was preaching, and of course, all I could hear was a weeping in the audience. This woman was breaking her heart. And of course, the uh, long and the short of it is she came to faith in Christ. She wanted to be rid of her sins. And when she came over to me at the end of the service, she was absolutely, the tears were pouring down her cheeks. And I began to weep with her. <laughs> it's great. That's what, that's, that's pastoral work. To weep with those who weep. To rejoice with those who rejoice. And in your own ministry, in your own life, you can carry out that pastoral work. It's important. It's important for the flock of God. It's important for the community in which you live. It's important for your neighbour. I remember a number of years ago I had a neighbour who was grieving badly. Not a Christian. And I went in to see them and I said, can I pray with you? And they said, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, this this neighbour had lost his wife. And I prayed with him, spent some time with him, and saying, look, I want to tell you about God's love. And I began to share the love of God with him. In the midst of his bereavement. And it touched his heart. So much so that later on, in a number of years later, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Take the opportunities that God brings your way. Michelle was baptized today. And she stood up and gave her testimony. She was a wreck of a woman. And I don't say that in any derogatory sense at all. I say that because each of us are wrecks until Christ saves us. We're lost. We're dead in our transgressions and in our sins. And then God steps down out of heaven in the power of his Holy Spirit and touches your life and we become changed. Isn't that wonderful? We've got a wonderful Saviour, haven't we? Come on, say it, yeah. We've got a wonderful Saviour. And I'm so glad. So today has been a great joy for me uh, to share um, with them at Uddingston. Some of the word of God, and I gave Michelle a, a nice passage from Colossians, about how God is able to protect her and look after her, and He cares for her, and He will preserve her. I was saying them today that although we've we've asked God to forgive us all, of all of our sin, and He does, that sin doesn't stop chasing us. That's the work of the devil. The thief comes to steal. And to destroy. But Jesus says I have come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. And greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. And so God gives us victory in Jesus Christ.
And he gives us the power of his Holy Spirit to live within us so that we can be victorious. And we allow him to lead us and guide us in every facet of our life. Let's just pray for a moment before we come to the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We remember the words of the psalmist, your word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against you. And so we pray, Lord, today as we open up your word, we ask, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. And that we won't refuse you when you speak to us, but that we will obey you. And that we will see, continue to see our lives being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. For your glory, for your sake, for the extension of your kingdom. Until we reach that point in time, in history. When the climax of history will come upon us. And not only will we be changed on that particular day. We'll not just be freed from the power of sin. We'll be freed from it altogether when you come to the air and take us home to glory. What a day that's going to be. But Lord, preserve us now. Give us strength. Be to us all that we need. Take us through every circumstance of life. Walk with us and help us to walk with you. As we journey, take this journey in our faith. And we walk with you every moment of every day. Glorify your name, Lord. We do pray in our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Tonight I want us to turn to Lamentations. I don't know, is this working okay? Yeah? Ah, there we are. Lamentations chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 19. We're going to read some verses and then we'll have a look at what this passage is saying to us. Um, Remember my affliction, verse 19, my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent. Since he has laid it on him, let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is no hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. The author of this book is not stated. Although the Bible scholars tend to accept that it is a work of the Holy Spirit penned by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet amongst Bible teachers. And the tone of his book is similar to that prophecy of Jeremiah itself 
just a little bit about the historical background of this book from 588 to 586 BC the um, Babylonian army besieged Jerusalem you'll read of that in 2nd Kings chapter 25 and Judah's ally Egypt had been defeated and Jeremiah's repeated warnings to the Jews had been rejected as Babylon's stronghold increased the people were left to starve they continued to turn to their idols for help and finally the wall of Jerusalem was breached and the city was ransacked the temple, the palace and the other buildings were burned and those who survived were deported to Babylon as captives Jeremiah having seen these horrific events then proceeds to compose this series of lamentations which was written initially in the Hebrew language as a kind of poetry it was William Wordsworth who said poetry is a spontaneous overflow of powerful feelings and this is certainly evident in the book of Lamentations as you read through the book you can't help but feel something of terrible anguish and sorrow the pain and utter distress Jeremiah feels as he pens his reflections of these awful events most of us in our lives will experience difficult circumstances problem times when these times come we can be certain of this assurance God is faithful in this section of the book there are beams of light which appear in the midst of darkness which utterly engulfed Jeremiah and I want to focus on one so that if you find yourself like Jeremiah being so distressed by the circumstances of life you can experience faithful hope and blessings in times of trouble and so I want to look uh, first of all at the faithfulness of God ah there we are the faithfulness of God thankfully the Bible gives us overwhelming evidence of the unchanging faithfulness of God the word faithfulness in verse 23 of our reading means steadfastness we can be absolutely sure that as we face the storms and trials of life God will always prove himself to be faithful to you and me how then is God faithful well God is faithful in his grace the word mercies is translated loving kindness over 30 times in the Old Testament it's a very expressive word that conveys all the ideas of love grace, mercy faithfulness, goodness and devotion this word pictures God as a divine lover of men aren't you glad that your faith and trust is in someone who loves you unreservedly isn't that amazing even through the difficult times God loves you even in times of discipline God is doing it because he loves us and he loves us because he wants us to become more like his son Jesus Christ he wants us to become more like his image. And that's what Paul said to the Galatian church, wasn't it? 
And of course, um, it finds its New Testament equivalent in the idea of God's love and grace. Jeremiah seems to be remembering that it was the pure grace of God that brought Israel out of their slavery in Egypt. It was also God's grace that had kept them a redeemed people in spite of their failures and their wanderings. So let's look at God's grace. He saves us. Only God in his deciding grace can reach us in our lost condition. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us. Even when we were dead. Wow. Even when we were dead in sins. He hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? Christ didn't come, I keep saying this to people, Christ didn't come to make bad men good or good men better. That might happen as a consequence of coming to faith in Christ. But he came to make dead men and women live. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Only he can resurrect a dead man or a dead woman. Hallelujah. What saviour. Secondly, his grace secures us. God not only sought us out when we were lost in our sin, but grace keeps us in our saved condition. Wow. We are prone to failure. If our salvation rested in our ability to be absolute in our faithfulness to the Lord, none of us would ever be saved. Why? Because we've still got this old nature. Now that's, that doesn't give us an excuse to sin. Because we're commanded in the word to walk in holiness. But sin keeps chasing us. And sometimes it will trip us up. Sometimes it will kick us at the back. Knock us over and we go down in our face. I want to tell you, don't stay down. The saviour who saved you will lift you up again. <laughs> He's wonderful. What a wonderful saviour we have. Thankfully salvation, our salvation both starts and continues with God and not with us. We are saved by his grace and we are kept by the same grace. Thank God for his faithfulness and love, for his unfailing love and for his faithful grace. Thirdly, his grace does keep us. Jude 1 and 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Wow. I tell you, if it was up to me, I would make a pure mess of it. Fall flat in my face. Time after time. And even having been saved by grace at the age of 13, there are times when I still stumble. But there's a day coming when he will take each one of us who are saved by his grace. Do you know what he's going to do? He's going to present us faultless before his father with exceeding great joy. Yes! That's the victory that we have. That's wonderful. Don't let the devil trample over you and keep you down. Get back up again and march on for the glory of God. For that's what he saved us to do. To go out and walk in victory in Jesus Christ himself. So, his grace keeps us. There's a lesson for us in this thought today. Although we are unable to keep ourselves absolutely, this is not a license for us to sin and to do what we want. For we have to walk in holiness before God. That's absolutely vital. If we're not walking in holiness before God, how can God bless us? If there's no evidence of change in our lives, if we're not overcomers, 
How can God really bless us? If we're not united with each other in love, how can God bless us? That's what the psalmist says, doesn't he? Where God's people dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. Okay, so we have a wonderful God. He saves us, he secures us, and he keeps us by his grace, all by his wonderful grace. What a wonderful, faithful God we've got. But God is also faithful in his goodness. The word good here has the idea of excellence. And it refers to the character of God. This word reminds us that God is ever engaged in that which is best for our lives. And verse 24 of our passage tells us that he is a satisfier. God is described as the soul's portion. The word means reward or booty. It refers to the spoils of war. Jeremiah is saying in the battle of his life, God is my reward, my share and my portion. In the battle of our lives, God is our reward, our share and our portion. He's with us every step of the way. He blesses us beyond that which we would ever contemplate. And we'll touch on that in a moment or two. But when the Lord is viewed in this light, he will be all that a person needs to be satisfied in their soul. Psalm 103 Verse 1 to 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Do you get those days when your heart's filled with joy and you get a spur in your step and you just want to shout for joy all day long? Yeah? No? Oh, I tell you, get to know this God that we've put our trust in. He will do more for you than you could ever imagine. God may not give to you and me the things that we always desire in life, but he will always give us that which is best and that which will satisfy our souls. Romans 8 and 28, Paul writing to the church at Rome says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Are you listening for his voice speaking? Are you reading his word? Is it becoming alive to you? Is the spirit of God bringing the word of God to life within you? Well, not only is he our satisfier, but he's our sustainer. In verse 24 and 25, God will never fail those that put their trust in him. Romans 10 and 11 says this, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be disappointed. I want to ask you, tell me honestly tonight, has there ever been an occasion when the Lord has disappointed you? I've been on this road since 1963. And I can honestly say that there have been many times when I've failed him, when I've let him down. And he's always been there to pick me up. What a saviour. Do you trust him tonight? Do you really love him tonight? Then depend on him. Even if you stumble, 
Let him pick you up. And let him lead you on. I was once asked by um, a dear brother. He said, Robbie says, I, says I, I, I committed a terrible sin in my life. And he says, it took me down for a long, long time. And he says, I couldn't get over it because people kept pointing the finger at me. What a shame. Isn't it dreadful? And they forget when they're pointing the finger. There's three pointing back at themselves and there's one pointing the other way. Eh, who are we to judge? Now leaders in the church have, a, have, have to use the word of God. The word of God becomes a judge where serious sin is involved. But I want to say this. I said to him, you know, the apostle in 1 John 1 and 9 says this, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. I've, I've never come across so many Christians who are suffering from the terrible guilt of sin. He came to set us free from the guilt of sin. He doesn't want you to live with a cloud hanging over you. If we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all iniquity. How long does it take God to forgive you when you confess sin? Would anybody like to venture an answer? Immediately. immediately. God forgives us immediately. It's done. And it's done in such a way it's as though you had never committed the sin in the first place. Why? Because under the blood of Christ we are completely forgiven. Past, present and future. Our sin is gone. But the devil wants you to live with the guilt of sin. But Christ, when he died on that cross, dealt with your guilt as well. Don't live in the victory of Satan condemning you. Paul said to Romans and to the church at Rome, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what guilt is. Guilt is designed to bring con condemnation into your life. God wants to set you free from that. And believe that what Christ has accomplished on the cross of Calvary is not only forgiveness from sin, but freedom from the guilt of sin. Hallelujah. What a wonderful Saviour. Psalm 54 and verse 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Every word of his promise he will faithfully honour. Isaiah 14 verse 8. Grass dies and flowers fall, but the word of our God lasts forever. If you come to him for salvation, he will never send you away lost. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you trust him in your salvation, he will never send you to hell. If you look to him to satisfy your needs in life, he will never leave you disappointed. Fear not, he said, Luke chapter 12. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know what the inheritance is that God wants to give you now? It's his kingdom on earth. He wants you to go out and see that world out there, outside of this church in Munisburg, come to faith in Christ. He wants to give you that kingdom. Don't be frightened to witness victoriously for Jesus Christ. I've met so many Christians go, but what if, the, what if, what if this? And, and they look for all sorts of excuses for looking out there to witness. Nonsense. Go and read Romans chapter 8. The whole of it. 
And I guarantee you, if you're not changed by it, you need to go on your knees and read it. It will transform your view of witnessing. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. The world outside has no hold over the church of God. It has no hold over the people of God. Because Christ is victorious. Hallelujah. What a saviour. In verse 26. He is our saviour. In this context Jeremiah is saying to those that wait upon the Lord. Will see him bring about through their troubles and trials. Victory. He will not fail his children. But in his time he will deliver them from all their troubles. We need to remember today that God is able to deliver the saint as well as the sinner. Sometimes when we get saved we forget of what we have in Jesus Christ. Maybe I should, should come along sometime and just talk to you about the, the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. It's glorious. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm, I just rejoice in it. He knows what you're going through. Job 23 and verse 10. But he knows the way that I will take. When he has tried me, I'll come forth as gold. We're like gold being tried and tested by fire so that we might be purified. And become more like our saviour in every way. He will not forsake you. He will faithfully keep you and bring you through in his time. Psalm 34 and verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are towards you. Towards the righteous. And his ears are ever open for your cry. He's longing for you to call upon him. Do you remember the prayer in Jeremiah? Call upon me and I will answer thee. And I will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. If you've never trusted Christ and believed in him alone for salvation, for the salvation of your soul, it may look as though you have no hope. I say to those who don't know the Lord, God can save your soul. Isn't that wonderful? By his marvelous grace, if you will, but look to him in faith and trust him. It will, if you, you will stop trusting yourself, your religion and everything else and lean upon God, cast yourself upon the mercy of God and his son, Jesus Christ. He will forgive all your sin. He will make you clean. I was, I was at baptism today. Do you know that one of the guys that was baptized was a converted homosexual? And he gave his testimony about how God delivered him from homosexuality. He would have traveled all over the world looking, looking for truth, searching, searching for truth. And went into some kind of meditation. And in that meditation, he learned that he had a body and a soul and began to ask, where did my soul come from? And one night he fell on his knees. And he said, God, if you gave me my soul, if you're the man that was responsible for my life, then show me. And immediately the Spirit of God fell on him. And do you know what the Spirit of God did? The Spirit of God revealed his sin. And he realized at that moment in time he had to repent and come to faith in Christ. Wow. God is able. To do exceedingly abundantly beyond and above all that you and I could ever ask or think. We have a wonderful saviour. Hallelujah. 
It's alright, come in. <laughs> you don't mind. Come in. Well, he's not only our sustainer, he's our saviour. In the context, Jeremiah is saying to those that wait upon the Lord, they will see him... Uh, the Lord will see him bring them through their troubles and their trials. He will not fail his children, but in time he will deliver them from all of their troubles. What a wonderful God we have. He will not forsake you. He will faithfully keep you and bring you through in his time. I say to you that God can save a soul by his marvellous grace. I, I, I will never ever be able to understand the love and the grace and the mercy of God being poured out upon me. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It will take us all of eternity when we get to glory and we stand beside our Saviour and we view him face to face, not by faith as we do at this moment in time, but face to face with Christ my Saviour. Face to face, what shall it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Wow, what a wonderful saviour. What does God say about his own faithfulness? Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. All of the promises of God are faithful. They're yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He, ne he will never fail to fulfill his faithfulness in his promises. God is faithful. God is the eternal creator who cannot lie and is faithful to his word. He stands behind his name. His faithfulness, his name is dependent on his faithfulness. If he fails in his faithfulness, his name is out the windy, as we would say. It's gone. Paul the Apostle says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is vain. You're yet in your sins, and you're of all men most miserable. And if God becomes unfaithful, even in the slightest, his name's gone. And you and I are as miserable as sin. I've never been as miserable as <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. He's a wonderful saviour. As we search the scriptures we will see clearly how God was faithful to his word. And down through the centuries men and women have been able to testify to the faithfulness of God in their lives. And I've spent too much time talking. I hope your spirit's being lifted. I don't want to bore you. I hope, I hope your spirit is being uplifted by the word of God. We should never get bored with us. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says, Know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. The faithfulness of God is starkly evident in his relationship with the Jewish nation, isn't it? Through the Jewish people, though the Jewish people have been scattered around the world, they have experienced more trouble and affliction than any other nation. God is not finished with them yet. But he promised that he would return their land and return them to their land. And he promised this to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and all of their descendants. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 7 and 8. But among God's fulfilled promises was that the people of Israel would again come. Become a nation in the land. He said, God said is theirs. 
The prophecy was made in the Old Testament and was fulfilled in May 1948. <laughs> Hallelujah, what a God we've got. Hmm? Since then the Jewish people have been returning home. And examples of God's faithfulness to keep his covenants with others are found throughout the whole of the Old Testament. Noah. God saved Noah and his family. Did he promise to do that? Yes he did. Was he faithful to his promise? Yes he was. What about Ishmael? God will bless Ishmael and his descendants. Genesis 17 verse 18 to 20. Is he doing that? Yes he is. Is God faithful to his promises? What about Moses? God will spare the Israelites if they obey. And I said, God is not finished with Israel yet. Boy, every nation that comes against Israel, God will destroy them. Because they are his people. Make no doubt about that. We worry about what's going to happen to Israel. Don't worry about what's going to happen to Israel. God's eternal plan and purposes will be fulfilled in Israel. And to Jacob, God affirms his everlasting covenant to Israel. Psalm 105 and verse 10. And there are literally dozens of more scriptures of God's faithfulness. None, however, are the most life-changing as those that proclaim his forgiveness for our sins. Is God faithful in that? It certainly is. In the Old Testament, God said, A saviour for the world would be born in Bethlehem. Was that fulfilled? Yes. Was God faithful to his promise? Come on, shout out, yes. That Jesus would die and atone for our sin was fulfilled. That those who repent and believe in him will have eternal life. That those who believe would have their sins forgiven for all eternity. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Great is your faithfulness, O God. How faithful is our God. God is so faithful that anyone who seeks him can find him. If you seek me with all your heart, said the Lord, you will find me. Faith is a gift. But even as a gift must be received and opened, it must be opened to be enjoyed. Only as we step out in faith can we begin to realize more and more about God's faithfulness to us. If we want to live within a week in a shell, we'll never really begin to understand uh, something of the greatness of the faithfulness of God. But when we step out in faith, how many um, ministries have been started up by men starting out in faith? Not depending on money. But when the need came about, God satisfied that need. Because these men started out in faith. I'm thinking just now, I'm trying to remember his name. It's escaped me. The man who in the UK spent so much time providing food and clothing. No money. The next morning, people were desperate for food. And he was on his knees praying. And the following day, the bakers were turning up at his door saying, I've got some food here for you we don't need. We don't want it to go to waste. God is faithful. Absolutely faithful. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. God who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Wow, what a wonderful relationship we've got. And I'm going to finish up soon, really. Great is the faithfulness of God who can make you stand amid the wreckage of life and cause you to sing his praises. Isn't that wonderful? Jeremiah was that kind of believer. Are you? Am I? Is your faith firmly rooted and grounded in this God who is faithful? 
When troubles come your way, so often we try to blame someone or something for the pain and the hurt caused, don't we? That's a natural reaction. But I often think of Rabbi Burns, Tamashanter, and I'm quite sure our American friend will have this off by heart. When Chapman Billy's leave the street and drifty neighbor neighbors meet and market days are wearing late and folk begin to pack the gate. Well, we sit boozing at the nappy, getting through and Uncle Happy. We think nay others, the, the Lang Scots miles, the mosses, water slaps and styles that lie between us and our hame. While sits our sulky, solemn dame, gathering her brows like gathering storm, nothing her, nursing her wrath to keep it warm. I wonder if at times we are sometimes like the sullen dame. Nursing our wrath over someone or something in our lives which has caused us a lot of grief and pain. Jeremiah helps us to transcend that facet of human nature and to reflect upon the kindness and compassion and faithfulness of a loving God who forgives our sin and shows us mercy in his judgments. Is it any wonder Jeremiah had hoped He had hope when all around seemed hopeless. God's great faithfulness gave Jeremiah hope during times of darkness. Now I want you to think about it like this. Can you think of a multifaceted diamond? When it's lifted to the lights, each of its facets reflect the brilliance of its colours. And so when we think of all the blessings which God hath bestowed on us, they come to us like a multifaceted diamond. Each facet reflects the glory of God and the brilliance of his eternal planning. That God would call you and I as wretched sinners out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. So that he can impact our lives with his blessings because of his great faithfulness. If the Lord has saved you, then you're blessed beyond measure. And I'm cutting this short, there's so much more I could say. If you're not saved, then you only have curse and judgment to come. If today you will repent and trust in Christ as your Saviour, the blessings that await you are unbelievable. What would it be to live in eternal bliss with our Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing can compare to that, just as Jeremiah wept in the midst of his trials, so you and I will also weep in the midst of ours, for we are like him. But we can be sure that God will be faithful when we trust him and not in ourselves in the midst of all the trials that come. And the hope that we have is this that he will deliver us and bring us home to glory just as he promised. Hallelujah. What a wonderful saviour. Let's pray. Father we thank you tonight for your faithfulness. Faithful God. So unchanging. Great is thy faithfulness. We praise and magnify you tonight Lord. Because there is no one like you. Lord Jesus you are unparalleled in every sense of the word. Our language cannot begin to describe your greatness and your majesty, your holiness, your purity, 
your love for us, your grace and your mercy towards us, your faithfulness at work in our lives by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And so tonight we say to you, God, to you be all the glory. There is no one like you and we love you. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts because of who you are and because of what you have done. And so as we leave this place tonight, take us forward rejoicing, knowing that we have great victory in Jesus Christ because of his faithfulness and obeying the Father's will on the cross. And one day, we're going to see him face to face. What a day that's going to be when we're freed from the presence of sin forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. What a saviour. To God be the glory and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Amen.